Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Yes, it is a little late for a New Year's resolution, but here's one that's better employed late than never. Take better care of your garden tools. And it's not just keeping them clean. On today's episode of Garden Basics, Debbie Flower gets into the hows and whys of properly maintaining your garden tools, and that includes storage and sharpening advice. And yes, the proper way to clean your tools. Plus, we have tips for choosing quality gardening tools to begin with. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast brought to you today by SmartPots. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. It's wintertime. Have you taken care of your tools lately? Your outdoor garden tools? Let's find out what you should be doing. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. I think that's one thing, Debbie, that people do scrimp on is tool care. They may tend to leave their tools outside and may not clean their tools when they're done. And if they are cutting tools, they may be, uh, let's say, a little behind as far as sharpening those Mm -hmm. tools. I'm guilty of that last one, I have to say. I find it fun. It's stress reducing. Yeah. Just to sit there and. Yeah. To get out the bevel and just start. Shave your blades. Yeah. Shave the blades. Yep. Let's talk uh, about the importance of of why we want to clean tools. Uh, I'm cheap. I want to buy a good tool to begin with, and I want it to last. Right. It, you do. And and tools are made of metal in general. The good tools are. And metal can rust. So you don't want that to happen. Right. When, when you have mud encased on your metal parts of your shovel, for example, that can lead to rust. Yes, it can. And any contact with other things like the floor can allow moisture to be trapped. A concrete floor, moisture moves up through a concrete floor if it's a pad on the ground, and that can cause the tips of a, of a shovel to rust. Well, that brings up a very good point then, that as far as storing your tools, even if you're storing tools indoors, then what do you do? Hang them? Hang them. Yeah. Hang them high, Harry. All right. Or you can make a... a I've seen patterns and t- for making tool storage devices that the tool sits on the ground, but it's the handle that touches the ground, not the, the metal blade. Is that a good thing? Yes, it's better than the other way around. Okay, Handles now, you can get them in wood, you can get them in fiberglass. I kind of lean towards fiberglass because there's less care involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wood handles get wet and then they, you can get splintery, they Mm -hmm. get rough, you can get splintery. And so they may take some care if your handle has gotten to that point or if you inherited some. uh, and, and, And as an aside, you can sometimes find really high quality tools at estate sales from people who have had them for decades like you Mm -hmm. bought them very good high quality tools and then kept them for their lifetime and now that person is selling them so it's probably their children that are selling them that's a possibility as well and they may not be in the best of shape but you can 
bring some tools back to life. I, I have some that I got from my parents' house. So the handles are kind of rough sometimes, and they're wood. And so you need some fairly fine grit sandpaper, 120 or 150, and sand it all down till it's very smooth. And then you use boiled linseed oil to soak those handles for about 15 minutes, rub off and rub off the excess. And that should revive a, a wooden handle. Do you boil linseed oil or does it come boiled? It comes boiled. Oh, good. That's what you buy. Yes. All right. Yes. That would be. I would get in big trouble if all of a sudden I was filling up a good pan on the kitchen stove with linseed oil. Yes. And um, and yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would not be a good thing. All right. No, you buy boiled linseed oil. Okay. But that's for wood. That's for wood. Wood. Are there any specific tips for fiberglass handles? I don't know any. Do you? Uh, just keep them indoors. Yes. Basically. Uh, and, and, and like you say, hanging them upside down uh, makes sense. And I like to hang them so that they're completely off the ground. Yes, me too. With, with hooks. It, uh, it's a neater look. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take up that much space if you got the right hooks. Let's get back to cleaning the muck off right. of the tools, especially shovels. Man, oh man, if you're if you're dealing with mud or caked on dirt, it can take a while to clean it. So I've just gotten into the habit of when I'm done for the day with the tools, I turn on the hose on the jet nozzle, mm-hmm. rinse off all the metal parts. And if that doesn't get everything, I have a barbecue grill brush that ah, I really have, stiff one then that I have dedicated to the garden tools that's mm-hmm. hanging there in the garden tool shed and I will basically clean the rest of the gunk off that way I yeah I don't use a brush as much as my hand <laughs> I put my hand on the tool and rub that mud and put the water running over it and it comes off I have one shovel that's particularly annoying in, it, in that the part you step on is a rolled over piece of metal and on the back of the shovel mud gets caught in that roll and I often have to take another tool it's often a hori hori which is a, a lovely Japanese uh, design digging device and get in that roll to scrape out the mud but it, it works but I have to pay attention to doing that my family is not as uh, conscientious about cleaning the tools as I am and so I, <laughs> I kind of have to be the tool inspector say no you didn't get that take that back redo it <laughs> for credit yes, <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, a flathead screwdriver can do that job too I, very good point I would think that the thickness of the hori hori knife might not get fit in that role right in some cases, it doesn't. Yeah. But uh, a hori hori knife is really a, a great garden tool to have. It looks like a 10-inch dagger mm-hmm. with a serrated edge on one side. Right. With the shape of almost like a trowel. Right. So, so you, you can dig, dig with it. You can mm-hmm. cut with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can cut roots when you go to plant. Yeah. yeah. You can dig weeds out quite effectively. Yeah, exactly. And it lasts a long time unless your wife loses it in the compost pile. Well, I was going to say I have have, uh, uh, two Hori Horis now, although I think I'm back down to one because I had one, had a wooden handle and I lost it. And uh, so I got another one as a, you know, Mother's Mm -hmm. Day present or some such. And then I eventually found, well, when I got the second one, I painted the handle yellow. Good. Because I happened to have yellow safety paint around and I needed it to be more visible so that one i have not lost and then i found the first one when i was working in the yard but then immediately lost it again so if i ever find it again (laughs) i will take care of the handle i will sand it and then i will paint it and then i will oil it i use yellow electrical tape 
Oh, that's a good idea. And uh, put it in several spots along the green handles of the lopper. Why manufacturers mm. create green handles mm-hmm. is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Right. They disappear. They do. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, uh, yellow uh, electrical tape. Usually, if you go to a big box hardware store, you can usually find several different colored rolls of electric tape in one package and just buy those. And you can use the yellow and the white and the lime green or whatever. The ones that are going to show up in your landscape. Yeah, yes. That you can spot from a distance. That's the problem is you can't see them unless you're up close. If right. They don't have uh, uh, any sort of... Uh, contrast to them so when you find them they're often in bad shape we've talked about the Mm -hmm. wood but the blade itself can also be in bad shape and that can take some washing first wash Mm -hmm. and dry and then cleaning as much of the rust off as you can how do you do that well i would try i can't say i've done it i would try uh, steel wool to get it off and then you need to wash it and dry it again and oil it and commonly used for oiling tools is used motor oil, crankcase oil. And so at school, we had a big tub that had sand and crankcase oil in it. And when the students were done and had washed and dried their tools, they would just dip them in and out of this tube, in and out of this bin of crankcase oil-soaked sand. And that gave it a, a nice coating of oil on the blade of the tool so that it would not uh, rust. I bet that bed was a surprise to any wandering cat that came over. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in the shed and it was oh, in a okay. bucket, All so right. I don't know. Okay. Motor oil. Okay. Oh, that that would be easy to do. I, I see that uh, North Carolina State University uh, has some recommendations about uh, using the steel wool, like you mentioned, or sandpaper if your tools have developed rust. And what about for those tools that may have sticky sap on them, like your pruning tools? Yes, mineral oil will take that off. Your your hands as well. If you've been handling a, a conifer, maybe your Christmas tree, something uh, with sap on it, oil takes that off and mineral oil is recommended for tools. One of their recommendations for cleaning sap off is my go-to device for just doing a, a good general cleaning. It's a foaming bathroom cleanser in a uh-huh. spray bottle. You know, the one with the scrubbing bubbles? Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> It, it does a job and it, it disinfects as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's something to think about, uh, especially if you're going to do a series of pruning is if you're, let's say, removing your fire blight in winter, you want to disinfect your tool between cuttings. Do people still do that? I don't know. All right. Well, I know that they they have conducted experiments here locally. And uh, the former farm advisor for Sacramento County was deliberately trying to get that fire blight pathogen to transfer to his pruners mm-hmm. to another part of the tree, mm-hmm. and he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like... There was another professor down at San, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo who tried to do that for years and years and years, and he couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Fire blight in general enters through the flower. Right. Re- purportedly, it can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pur- purportedly, it can. But if you, if you concentrate on making cuts for fire blight, like 12 inches below where you see damage, yes. chances are you're cutting into healthy wood. In healthy wood, right. Yeah. So you're not picking up the right. the uh, bacteria which causes the disease. Right. So that's one way to avoid uh, the disinfecting part of it. Alcohol can also be used for disinfecting if, if you need to do so. I was at a commercial grower uh, and they were taking cuttings and the, they, they had created this special device that the workers wore on their hands and it contained alcohol, and when they they wore it on the same hand, they used the pruning tool, and they could press a button, and it would flood the blade with alcohol, and then they'd make their next cut. Hmm. Well, that's 
a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool device. It wasn't a lot of work for the women. It was mostly women for the workers to use. But for the person to create it, that would be a lot of work. One of the uh, more popular uh, disinfectants that people tend to use is bleach. And that's not such a good idea. That's be- pretty hard on the metal. It's Exactly. If you leave any of that bleach on there, it can corrode. Bleach is a pesticide, and it's a, a very toxic one to humans. It can hurt your skin and eyes. I don't want bleach around my garden. I guess whatever you use, you should thoroughly dry the tool before, before you put it away. Yeah. So that would be important. So another use for the old hair dryer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> or just take the one that's up there. They'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can coating the blade itself and any of your cutting tools or digging tools, a metal blade portion with a light oil afterwards? Yeah, you talked about motor oil for cleaning, but what about like a three-in-one oil for just maintaining it? Three-in-one oil is, is good to use at the the jaw points, the movement points, the screw that holds the two blades together on a pruning tool. Yes, three-in-one is excellent for that. We're glad to have SmartPots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. SmartPots, it's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart pots come in a wide array of sizes and colors. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the smart pots that have handles make them easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside for the winter. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of SmartPots lightweight, colorful fabric containers. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy SmartPots at Amazon. If you want to see them before you buy, SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. Have you taken a look at the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter yet? There's one that accompanies the Garden Basic podcast. It's a deeper dive into what was discussed on the podcast, along with more great gardening information. We call it Beyond the Basics. In the current edition of the newsletter, we filled the gaps of this week's podcast. From Tuesday's episode 164, we have more information in the newsletter about how to store various fruits and vegetables after harvest. We have winter strategies for controlling coddling mothworm problems in apples and pear trees. And a picture of what a professional orchardist apple or citrus stem clipper looks like. From today's podcast on Garden Tool Care, episode 165, we delve deeper into how to control rust on tools, maintenance tips for garden tools with fiberglass handles, we have pictures of bypass and anvil pruners, and we have Felco's instructions for cleaning and sharpening your pruners. You can find a link to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter in the podcast show notes or at farmerfred.com or by going to substack.com slash garden basics. Think of it as your garden resource that goes beyond the basics. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, and it's free. Please subscribe and share it with your gardening friends and family. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. Well, here's a scenic bypass for you. You talked about the uh, screw holding together the two blades of a pruning 
uh, tool. If you buy quality tools, they'll have that where you can take <laughs> them apart, put them in your vise, clean them and sharpen them. Yes. The inexpensive ones don't have that ability Correct. to take apart. And by the way, we're talking bypass pruners, not anvil pruners. Yes. And also when you if you have an inexpensive pruning tool and you go to sharpen it with a metal file, often the blade just disintegrates. Right. That's why uh, people like Felco and Corona make special sharpening rocks, sharpening mm-hmm. stones for that very purpose. Watch a video. I'll put up a link to a, a video where they are demonstrating the correct way to sharpen the blade of a pruning tool, either hand pruners or loppers, because uh, there is an art to it. Yeah, and the number one mistake I have seen, because we did this as a lab in a couple of classes when I was teaching, the number one mistake I have seen is that the tendency is to make the sharp edge at like a 45-degree angle, make it very short and sharp. Mm -hmm. And that means you wear it out immediately. First two cuts and your sharp edge is gone. What you want to do is go at a 20-degree angle which is a, a very shallow angle, right. if that makes sense, and work that, that sharpen, sharpen the blade that way and then do a, a flat on the back. There's only one side to the uh, blade that is sharp. Right. The other side is flat and clean the burrs off the back. But you want it to be about 20 degrees, which is a, a very shallow. The tendency is to go really up on a high angle and, and make a short, sharp cut, but it, it it's much uh, it doesn't last. So you want that twenty degree angle for sharpening. You want to get into bypass versus anvil pruners. If you want to, it's I your show. Do. I, okay, why not? If you go to a, just about any good nursery or hardware store and you go to the wall of pruners, chances are the majority of them are going to be anvil pruners because they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Because they sell a lot of them. The purpose of an anvil pruner escapes me <laughs> other than uh, okay if you're into in the cut flower business and you want to stop the flow of sap out of a cutting well use that anvil pruner because the blade is hitting a flat plate and that's going to crush the end of the cut right if if your anvil pruner is very sharp it won't crush it I, there are a few people i know who are love their anvil pruners and it is because they feel they can get closer to their target location on the branch to make the cut but they are the kind of people who walk around with a sharpener in their pocket and sharpen that blade between cuts oh, okay yeah the anvil pruner uh, is good on deadwood yes uh that's about it deadwood yes, it, and cut flowers yes <laughs> as you were saying anvil an anvil is a my one of my grandfathers was a blacksmith, and he had an anvil. And an anvil is a flat metal uh, platform on which he would hammer hot metal to make horseshoes. So mm-hmm. the anvil pruner has a flat metal on one side surface, mm-hmm. flat metal surface on one side, and then the blade just comes down onto that anvil at a 90-degree angle and hopefully cuts the stem, but more often than not crushes it. What happens if you use an anvil pruner on fruit trees and you're just pruning your fruit trees? No? You no. don't want to bite on that? I don't know what you're thinking of. What I'm thinking of is if if you use an anvil pruner to do fruit tree pruning, for example, you're going to be crushing the ends more than likely mm. of uh, what remains where you want a bud to grow. And it's going to make it more difficult for that tree to grow and reproduce correctly right right the anvil pruner unless it's kept incredibly sharp 
tends to crush stems and and that does not lead to good growth for plants so what you want are bypass pruners right for 99 percent of what you're going to be doing in the garden a good pair of bypass pruners a good pair of bypass loppers are all you need right and bypasses means that the blades pass by each other just like a scissor mm-hmm. try to find bypass loppers though those are the long handled uh, pruners and most of those are going to be anvil pruners as well so be careful what you what you're shopping for and they won't necessarily say bypass or anvil no they don't say use those words you have to look at the blades right make sure the bypass pruner has two when you open and close a bypass pruner you can see that the blade bypasses that bottom arm yes whereas with an anvil it's going to come right down on that middle of that plate yes and you'll see that that anvil plate on a on a uh, anvil pruner, right? Uh, so bypass pruners. Now, some people say, "Well, I have a problem, you know, squeezing the, the loppers closed to get a branch." Here's a general rule of thumb: if the branch is less thick than your little finger, mm-hmm. use hand pruners. If the branch is thicker than your little finger but less than your thumb, use loppers. You get more tension, more. Mm-hmm. If the branch is thicker than your thumb, use a pruning saw. Okay. There are, you can look up, there are, you know, inch recommendations for that, but you always carry your hands with you, so it's a lot easier to check. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing about getting a good cut that when I watch people and I train people, they don't t- typically don't think of this, is to get the, whatever you're going to cut as close to, into the jaw as possible. So when I say jaw, I mean where the two blades come together. So not using the tip. The tendency is to cut with the tip, but you get more power if you put the branch you're going to cut all the way back into the jaw. And sometimes if you flip the, the blade, the pruning shears over, cut from the bottom, then that works better too. And I think it has to do with the anatomy of the hand and, and where, where your fingers and, and thumb are. But those are a couple things to try if you're trying to cut something and it's just not working. And if you have a cut flower garden or if you just want to harvest tomatoes or peppers or citrus, you probably want a pair of needle nose pruner snippers. Right. You don't always have to bring, bring out the big guns. You can have some small and the snippers are nice. They're smaller but they have more, as you say, needle nose tip. Mm-hmm. And so you can get into places uh, that you can't get into as easily with uh, regular pruners, regular hand shears. Our USDA Zone 9 problem here is uh, harvesting mandarins in the wintertime and getting a little bit of the stem to go with it. And there's so much foliage around there, it's tough to get in there with a pair of bypass pruners mm-hmm. and get that little quarter inch and of a stem. And only that little bit, yes. Yeah. And so getting in there with the snippers, with the, the, the needle nose, it makes it a lot easier. Yes. But, uh, it, and they have a wide variety of purposes too. Do you have a favorite pair of uh, pruners? Um, it's usually the, the one I've just sharpened. <laughs> I have about 10 pair. Well, don't we all? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. In the, in the, they're in the car, they're in the house, they're, I have a bucket of them in the garage. Yeah, so uh, mostly Felco and... Um, Corona? Yes, Corona. And they have replaceable blades, which I can't say I've ever done, uh, replacing the blades, but uh, it means that I can unscrew them, as we were mm-hmm. discussing earlier, and take them off for to get the blade. Difficult to sharpen the blade all the way down to that jaw. Right. Corona makes a nice little tool that I, I do, I have a couple of them that I do like, uh, that gets close to that 
jaw, but if you really want to sharpen the jaw, you take them apart. What does this tool look like? It's a flat. It's only about three inches long, four inches long at most, and it has a red handle that says Corona, Hmm. and then it has a metal blade that is a file, Mm -hmm. and it's angled. Is it two-sided? Is like one side rough and the other side smooth? No, it's just one-sided. Okay, so it's not like a general sharpening and then a finishing side. No. Okay. Uh, you can find uh, the, the sharpening stones that do that, mm-hmm. which are ovals about that same length, three, four, five inches long, and maybe an inch wide or so that taper on either end. But there's two distinct sides to them. And are they stone rather than metal? I'll go look. Okay. Because <laughs> stone often requires you use moisture, and that can be a problem in transmitting plant disease. I'm back. <laughs> All right. So... Here we have the Philco 903 sharpening thing that's... Oh, I see what I did. In order to hold it in the card it came with, which has very distinct instructions on the back, I I put a piece of a thick... Uh, looks like duct tape. No, that's metal. Yeah, it's metal. Yeah, yeah. metal is best for pruning tools because um, there it. are stone sharpeners to sharpen blades, but they require moisture in in the form of water, and that can lead to transmitting diseases like bacteria and fungus in plants. According to Felco, the correct angle is 23 degrees. 23, for, okay, for I, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> oh, but not by much, and they're saying anywhere from 20 to 30, but 23 is optimum. Get out your protractor. Yeah, on this card that came with the Felco sharpening tool, sharpening stone, I don't know what you call that, sharpening uh, file. Oval file. Okay, that's good. Uh, it says it has three functions, sharpening, like a sharpening stone, strengthening, and honing, like a sharpening stone or a sharpener. Follow illustrations for full directions. Clean a dirty sharpening tool, Fred, by <laughs> by scrubbing it with water with added scouring powder. Baking so, soda would work well for that. Yeah, so keep your tools clean, like yeah, this. Even your sharpening tools, yeah. yes. All right, fine. Okay. Uh, also, sharpen sharpen the tips of your shovels. Yes, exactly. People forget that shovels are cutting through dirt. Yes, and, and roots and whatever else is yeah. down there, hitting rocks. And even your loading shovels, like your your square faced shovels, mm-hmm. because sometimes you just that's the only shovel you have, and mm-hmm. you need to maybe dig a for a border or something, and you want to use that. Mm-hmm. Sharpen that. So other tools as well. If you do yeah. your borders by hand, that mm-hmm. tool can be sharpened. But yes, it makes it so much easier to dig. To if you sharpen the the tip of the shovel, I was just amazed the first time I did it. Yeah. Take care of your tools and they will last a lifetime for your children to sell at estate sales. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, they'll probably have their own set by then. <laughs> or they're not into gardening. All right. We're going to go take care of our tools. Thanks, Debbie, for all the good advice. Oh, my pleasure, Fred. Thank you. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.